Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss and review movies, TV shows, trailers, and anything pop culture. In today's episode, we will be looking at Disney Plus's series Loki, Season 1, Episode 5, titled Journey into Mystery. My name is Emmett, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and the world's foremost leading authority on all things Jawa. Ivan. Hello, and Houtini to you, too. I think that's what they say, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I thought they were Canadian and they were just screaming about poutine, but maybe you're right. I think it's Houtini. I'm pretty sure it's Houtini. <laughs> I'm the expert here. You're right. I shouldn't question you. <laughs> but it's probably in the Canadian accent that they say it, so... That might be it. Can you try a Canadian accent for us? Oh, jeez. I don't even know what that sounds like. <laughs> I only know how to say a boot. And even then, I butcher it. <laughs> And there goes our one Canadian listener. No, 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 come back. I can also <laughs> do French. <laughs> Let me dig a deeper hole for us. So what do we got on the news front? It's been so busy, we must have a long list of items. Oh, yeah, totally. We have like 60 natural disasters to touch base on. Um, I think like there's been at least two very big political conspiracies. I've been pop period. culture news. We don't care oh, about that oh, other oh, garbage. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Um, well, here's one that we kind of missed last week because I, I totally forgot to include it on our notes. But um, Shang, the Shang-Chi trailer came out. And this is trailer number two, or I guess trailer number one. I'm not really sure how they're numbering these, but um, it's, it's also two. the final trailer. We did an episode on the first one. Yeah, that was just a, I guess it was a more of a teaser, right? Um, but we got the, like a really big loaded trailer for this uh, for this time around. Yeah, it's also been a couple of weeks since I've watched it, but I definitely remember as soon as I watched it, I texted you that this is such a different vibe than the first trailer gave us. The first one was kind of like goofy and I was unsure if I wanted to watch Shang-Chi. I, obviously, I was going to, but this, this second trailer is much more Marvel-like, much more um, interesting. Yeah, I think the first trailer gave me a lot of, like, um, Bruce Lee Enter the Dragon vibes yeah. to it, just, like, mimicking some of the shots from that movie, but also, like, obviously, we keep being very focused on the martial arts aspect, but you're right, this, this new trailer dialed it up, gave us the Marvel spin to that, which I think was kind of the flair that was missing the first time around. I am excited to see what comes of this movie. Um and I think what are, it's, it's going to be a early September drop. And I think for Shang-Chi, it's, it's the first time that Marvel is releasing a movie exclusively in theaters because um, they're trying that hybrid thing with uh, Black Widow later this week. I'm, I'm surprised that they put a second trailer out already. I feel like it, it's not that much time in between the first one and the second one. Whether they're calling that first one a trailer or not, it was two minutes long. And was the first peek at the movie. So it's definitely trailer quality. I'm just surprised that if it's not... I guess we're closer to September than farther away, right? Well, I think the the thing that kind of threw this off is because they really should have given us that teaser trailer like six months before they actually dropped it. And I think they've been very apprehensive of dropping anything. I mean, like, we just got an Eternals trailer recently, too. Um, and that that one was one that I, that kind of you know was swept a little bit under the rug uh, in terms of like audience response. But I I think it just has had to do with like Marvel just wasn't sure whether the pandemic was going to last a little bit longer or if they were going to release things. Because you're right, it's very very early for them to release another one. Uh, but also September is literally right around the corner at this point. True, and they also have to play that game with the 
like stockholders of Disney and do the like the, all those releases at one time. So I guess there's also that delicate chess game of getting the timing right on everything. Yeah. But speaking on movies, uh, just because I feel like to do our due diligence to kind of bring it up, Black Widow's coming out this Friday. What do you think it's going to do uh, box office wise? I guess if it was normal times two years ago, this probably would have done like at least a hundred million opening weekend, right? Domestic. I feel like it's going to be like 80 million. Yeah, I think everybody's been like wondering whether this movie will attract audiences back. We recently got a smash hit, quote unquote, with what the latest Fast and the Furious movie. How did um, that do? In I think 70 million opening weekend. Yeah, Black Widow has to do better than that. It's got to, right? Because I feel like the audience is there for it. But it is interesting, though, because the one thing I'll note on this is that Black Widow is going to have a day and date release on Disney Plus where it's also going into theaters, whereas the Fast and Furious movie was exclusively in theaters. So I wonder how much of that is going to be like uh, a variance in terms of ticket sales. True. But I also think that like and we talked about this before, um, it's just like thirty dollars for a movie that you can own. And then it's going to be free to you in three months. I feel like people are more likely to just be like, I'm going to go pay $15 for a ticket, go see it once, and then I'll probably watch it again when it comes out free in three months. It's true. Although speaking on the New York City side of things, it's like $22 a ticket. Actually, right now I hear it's like 23 or something like that. Yeah, well, you have AMC stub pass or whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to reactivate it and that thing is not going through. <laughs> Yeah, I got off that as soon as it made sense. But uh, no, I, I feel like for the non-hardcore fan, they're still looking for something to do, like going out to the theater, but they don't want to pay $30 to stay home and watch it, you know? I'm going both routes. I already pre-ordered this thing on Disney+, Plus, and I'm probably looking to go to <laughs> the theaters. Well, you are the anomaly. I'm like the perfect um stooge for like merchandise and like, pop <laughs> culture right because like i am exactly the guy that they build targeted ads for you're gonna get the taskmaster helmet too he may or may not be on pre-order already <laughs> <laughs> he looks like such a cool villain i'm in i'm into this one just from the trailers yeah there's so much mystery behind that character i'm just i just want to get this movie out of the way at this point not that i'm like you oh, know you're over it already huh no, it's just that I feel like I really should have seen this movie a year and a half ago, which is true. But also, like, I don't know. I feel like my level of anticipation is kind of like in a weird state right now where I'm looking forward to it. But it's more of like, cool, you owed me this like a year ago at this stage. <laughs> Entitlement over there. Look at this guy. I'm just yeah. to get a movie. Well, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, we are going to see it this weekend and then we'll do uh, another episode on that so we'll give you a spoiler free take as well as a kind of a breakdown of what we liked and didn't like about it um we'll leave it to emergency awesome to give you every plot point and present that as an easter egg allegedly let's get into um this episode though of loki journey into mystery episode five let's do a spoiler free general thoughts all right so i'm a little torn on this and i feel like i might be i i, I can't tell because i actually haven't really paid too much attention to 
uh, how it's trending, but I don't know. I kind of felt feelings of boredom in this episode. I know I, I can totally um, understand that and accept that this is the uh, penultimate episode. This is the one that sets up the finale. So it's not meant to steal the show. It's meant to really set it up like tie off any loose ends about the plot and understanding of how like time works or what their mission is. Um, and like build a little bit of extra, uh, character development. And I get there was Easter eggs galore for the super comic book fan, but I just feel like start to finish was hardly any progress. And I feel like, I don't know, a lot of the character interactions, I, I don't think we built, a lot of into those or we got a lot out of those so maybe it's also part of his like you know you can't fall into like the uh the trap of fan theories and expectations because then you start watching these and you go oh that's a clue for this person i'm expecting to see them in the next scene and then you know, you don't get it. So that's more disappointing than if you just kind of like are along for the ride. I think I have to kind of echo some of that. I feel like, and I texted you this literally like an hour ago <laughs> before we jumped on here, but I was very excited about this episode and very happy to kind of see a lot of the stuff that came out of this. If only because um, I'm very familiar with the comic book lore of some of these things um i was happy to see kid loki i was like, happy to see classic loki uh all the variations of loki i thought i got a really big kick out of it i got a big kick out of like um especially establishing some of the lore from kang the conqueror with Elioth. um it's just i feel like you're right yeah from a story perspective it did very little to progress the story forward and while I do know that we normally slow down for penultimate episodes on a lot of these shows, I feel like both Falcon and the Winter Soldier and especially WandaVision did a phenomenal job of establishing or basically prepping up, you know, that big finale episode with a really good penultimate episode that while slowed things down, uh, didn't necessarily just like plateau. Right. There was like elements of it that were really good. Like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you had that heart to heart conversation between Sam um, uh, for, for Sam to be able to you know, hold the mantle of Captain America in the finale. For WandaVision, you got a flashback into Wanda's past, uh, courtesy of um, why am I forgetting her name? <laughs> yeah, Agatha Harkness. Um, so I thought those were really eloquently handled. So I feel like here. They gave you half of that energy, but you're right. The rest of it is just like the pacing was just so like standstillish for here. And it's funny you just reminded me of those, but I'm putting this series above the other two series as a whole. But I'm putting the uh, those episodes that you just uh, mentioned above this one. I really loved the like what Falcon and Winter Soldier did, but when they slowed down their pace. And they got to actually develop character because it was so opposite of what they had been doing. This just feels like more of episode three. Yeah, and I feel like they maybe try to do too many things in at once here, while at the same time just kind of saying like, hey, here's a whole bunch of cool, interesting little characters, and they'll get like one or two key lines here, and that's it. You know, like for the rest of the episode, you're just kind of like, all right, well, 
can we go back to the TVA? Like, I kept constantly looking back and being like, are we, when are we going to, like, go back to a B20 and, like, figure out what, what she's doing in her cell or something? Like, that never came. B20 is not a person, but okay. Is it, I thought it was, was it B15. C20? Oh, it was oh C20. my bad. <laughs> <laughs> This is why I don't like to refer to numbers. They're on people, the... Ivan. Just because they're variants working for the TVA doesn't mean their number doesn't matter. It's just true. It's it's the clone thing from Star Wars also. <laughs> you can't call them CT whatever. It's, it's... I just know them as fives. I just... <laughs> CT, was it 5555? I feel like you and I both really want to get into some spoiler stuff here and talk specifics because we're right on the verge of doing that so let's uh let's pause it there for the spoiler free section so if you haven't seen it yet and you still plan to uh throw us on pause and come back later but let's get into scene character and and plot discussions i can't believe mephisto came out so early in <laughs> you gotta leave a longer pause man <laughs> people are fumbling through their phones god damn it marvel <laughs> pretend you didn't hear that if you if you're tuning out <laughs> but if you're still here, Mephisto, Act One. All right, let's open up with this episode where we get Loki talking to Loki, talking to Loki, talking to Loki, talking to Crocky. Is it Crocky or Crokey? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's Crikey. Crikey, mate. Who <laughs> <laughs> threw a mate on that? I, know you, I had to. <laughs> um, I this is. Despite what I said in the spoiler-free section, this is one part of the episode that I really, really liked is these, um, I guess, technically five characters getting along, even though it's really four with dialogue. But um, I like to see them all go like, we, hey, we know where you're at mentally coming to this place, but we need to move and we need to get shelter and just, you know, we, whatever you thought of, we are, are, are thinking of, we've already thought of. I think this is so well casted too. Like I feel like yeah, each one of these like I I mentioned this last week, but only Richard E. Grant as classic Loki is just perfect casting there. He was so good with his like his theatrics and his like cape twirling and <laughs> his like how he throws his voice and like the mockery laughing. He was so good in that role. And so was um I guess boastful Loki, which um if if. I, I feel like that was one that I was like, all right, out, out of all the variants of Loki from the comics to pull out boastful Loki, really? Um, he was pretty good, but he had, I think out of everybody, he had the, even the crocodile, he had the uh, minorest role. That doesn't make sense. The smallest role out of all of them to, to kind of play in this episode, but he was pretty good. We'll go with minorest. Minorest, yeah, we'll go with minorest. And then speaking of minors, young Loki, he yeah, did no one else could. <laughs> Finally got rid of that wicked Thor. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I think Kid Loki is who I was most excited to kind of see out of the Loki variants, only because I feel like I got right in I got back into comics right around the time that they were that they released the Journey into Mystery uh, comic series, which also kind of funny that they titled this episode Journey a Journey into Mystery, um, but. I think he was played really well. I kind of wish we kind of would have seen a little bit more of him because, like, he did have the most intriguing of the Nexus events that they um, supposedly created there. But do you believe it? 
that he killed Thor, yeah. I kind of have a feeling that the Thor he supposedly killed is the Thor that's buried underground there in a jar, <laughs> helplessly trying to get a uh, uh, get to Mjolnir. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I feel like he did do it because Loki, the R Loki, had tried to kill Thor many times, right? Like, that's always been said. And the the point that they were all there for was that if they, if he ever succeeded in life, he would be pruned. So like young young Loki or kid Loki actually got successfully did kill Thor as a child and then was pruned at that age and has stayed that age because he's in this pruned world. Whereas classic Loki, you know, played the timeline exactly like our Loki had done but then he removed himself from the situation so he successfully like beat thanos and got out of there and the tva didn't notice him because he never interacted with anyone else so that's what he would have been if he had aged like if his if his timeline had gone on so i really liked having those three there and then like you said boastful loki i think might have just been there to throw a wrench into the system right to get them out of their hiding uh hiding spot yeah, pretty much. Um, but, but even he talks about like successfully completing his mission and taking the throne, which would probably explain why Avengers Tower is in the void. And then that that just shows like the common thread between all of them is like the TVA has designed their system to make sure Loki never succeeds, which is really messed up. It um, is, but like that's how they like clearly Loki must. Like, be their weak spot in the same way that, like, Kryptonite is to Superman, right? Like, they're like, Sylvie did nothing but got taken away from her timeline. So, there must be a reason for that. You know, I have a theory about Sylvie and why she got taken away. And, and I think, like, you, like, we kind of explored here. And just to kind of recap, I guess, everybody's in it, the Nexus events that each of these Lokis uh, committed, uh, our, our primary Loki, or prime Loki, whatever we want to call him, he took the Tesseract and fled the timeline. So that's what essentially got him arrested by the TVA. Uh, classic Loki grew to old age, isolated himself, but the minute he wanted to reconnect with Thor is when he got arrested by the TVA. Boastful Loki supposedly uh, did beat the Avengers and was going to... Um, I guess successfully dominate the world with the Infinity Stones or yeah. the or the universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, he got taken away by the TVA. Uh, Crocodile Loki supposedly ate a <laughs> ate a neighbor's cat or something. I don't know if that was just uh, out of a joke or if there's some level of truth to that. Um, I definitely would like some backstory on Crocodile Loki. Um, and then Kid Loki supposedly killed Thor. But I feel like the the sin that Sylvie committed is perhaps she literally didn't have something to to be negative about, right? It kind of seems like she's the most put together of all of the, out of all the Loki variants that we've seen so far. Like maybe her biggest issue was that she didn't have a lot of self doubt, whereas these other Lokis did, and that's what's um, kind of made them spiral out and become this evil force. Yeah, and this is probably where I get into like the most disappointing part of this episode is Sylvie and Ravona um, 
having their conversation back at the TVA. I thought we were going to get some answers, and I totally was expecting Ravona to play, you know, play close to the vest and not give too much away. But we got nothing out of this whole conversation except, I don't know, what was it, like five minutes taken up? Uh, just about. We did get something, though. Something pretty, pretty big. What? <laughs> we got two minutes, solid minutes of missed minutes. And oh, I right. totally appreciate it. <laughs> Who is supposedly like the big baddie, right? Is I, I, That's what people are speculating on Twitter. I don't know. I, I it'd be hilarious. Because, <laughs> it would... the, because the uh, timekeepers were androids. So they're like, oh, Miss Minutes is running the show. <laughs> I Honestly, I'd be totally on board with Miss Minutes being the giant villain at, at the end of the series. With that southern drawl. She, she has to be, though, an animated giant clock. And I would totally accept it. <laughs> like Miss Minutes answers the door that Loki and Sylvia are about to walk up to. Yeah. <laughs> How can I help y'all? <laughs> she's got to have that southern twang to her, you know. Like she's that's that's got to be her. Um. Yeah. You're you're right. We we didn't really get anything out of this scene, and and I I feel like um, on one hand I was very disappointed. At the same time. I just don't know exactly how they could play up that point really quickly. I I almost feel like I'd rather not have even seen them in this episode <laughs> if it meant getting a more in-depth conversation maybe towards the end of the episode or in, or in next week's, right? Because uh I've left with more questions at the end of that scene than than we have answers. I'm left with the same questions, right? Like I want to know what Sylvie did wrong for her to be taken by the TVA and maybe I don't know instead of searching the beginning of time and the beginning of the TVA maybe search what was my offense since Ravona's unwilling to clarify right and also while through this and through this scene and I may be jumping ahead a little bit here but like throughout this scene I got the feeling that Ravona was still like she's still guarding a secret right like she definitely still knows what's going on and she's like playing sylvie here throughout the whole thing there's a scene later on where she visits um b15 not b20 (laughs) b15 in her cell where the show deliberately tells you ravona is just as lost as everybody else and so i'm like all right so then then how do i as the audience kind of justify whatever the heck Ravona is doing, like what is her motivation then? If she just, if she's just as shocked that this world that she knew is false, what's driving her then? <laughs> you know, because like it's kind of nonsensical for her to keep going on this path. Yeah, I think the point that B15 made there was like Sylvie's driven by revenge, which is way more powerful than Ravona being driven by curiosity. To me, that just feels like it's too simple for that to be Ravona's motivation here. Or, like, I feel like she either, she has to know who's behind it, right? And she's still trying to protect them? Or is it true that she, like, just doesn't care? And well, she just wants to protect the whole situation that she ha- like has going on? Well, I do, I hope that she does know something and she is trying to protect them. Because otherwise, that whole interaction... In the opening of this episode means nothing. Yeah. Like, there's no other reason to be like, I need to find them first and I need to slow you down. 
Right. If it's, if you want the same things as Sylvie, if you truly do want to find out, why not just support each other and get to the finish line? Right. And that that's where that's where that scene left me because I'm like, all right, so I, I just don't understand what the driving force is here. It, and here's so here's the thing. I'm, I'm trying to separate this from what from what I know from the comics because obviously the MCU cherry picks stuff from the source material, right? I can't. While I want to say like it's obvious that it's Kang the Conqueror that's coming up, if I was putting myself in the shoes of a regular audience member, how the heck would I know? <laughs> you know, like there's no there's no connection there to to kind of make. So to me, it's kind of like uh, you know, it, it's almost like you're very confused at the end of this episode on Ravona's motivations and the scene that should have given you some sort of inkling is to say like, Oh, we should hate her. or We should be on her side or whatever. Uh, didn't deliver anything for us. Yeah. It's the same feelings of neutrality towards her, or I guess just a general dislike of what they're doing with her character. Right. Maybe she, and, and I don't expect her to be the big bad, but I just want to know why she's not supportive or, does she know more? Like she had a private conversation with Miss Minutes before, um, after going to the cell of B15, where we could have gotten some answers from her just talking to this cartoon character, because it wouldn't be divulging any information to other TVA agents or helping Sylvie out in any way. It's just like as if she would be talking to herself, and we got nothing in that bit too. Right. But let's move on a little bit, because um, the other, <laughs> I hate to go <laughs> keep saying one disappointing spot after another, but Loki and like his friend Lokis versus the horde of Lokis and Marauders, I guess, where boastful Loki gave out, uh, gave the directions to the hideout and thought that he would be king, and then it basically was just everyone betraying everybody kind of thing. What did you take on this scene? Uh, so the Horde of Lokis, I thought, was like kind of a throwaway scene. Yeah. Um, I would have much rather had, similar to episode three, have that a full-fledged conversation between all three of the variant Lokis that met up with our Loki. I'd rather have a lengthier conversation with them than have had this like little fight with the rest of the Lokis. While it was funny in some areas, I thought it at the end of the day, it didn't deliver anything. I 100% agree with you. I think, I mean, I'm fine with being misled in the trailer where I thought that he would be running for an election of something. I'm fine with it being like an exact look-alike Loki. Uh, that, that's totally okay of a twist. I'm willing to be like, oh, you got me there. But I would have much rather it actually have been the expectation of like he has to kind of like run for leadership role of these Lokis to go fight the the monster, right? That would have been more useful of this horde as opposed to just being like, oh, it's in a Loki nature to uh, betray each other in their quest for power. No one will ever change. Well, the minute that we, um, uh, Richard E. Grant's version of Loki, when, when classic Loki tells um, prime Loki to respect kid Loki, um, and then he reveals that he killed Thor and that he's this is his kingdom. I thought, okay, 
the president scene is definitely going to be our Loki trying to overthrow kid Loki for power, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been a much interesting plot of this episode, I think, if we had gotten all that. Uh, because the fight with the creature at the end could have been condensed down to like five or six minutes. Like it didn't need to be that lengthy of a of a scene. But also, I just feel like that conflict would have been better if it was Loki versus Kid Loki, so that we could delve a little bit deeper into these variants. Because again, I really don't think that this um, this overall scene just kind of accomplish anything else other than to just show off more Loki variants. But none of them were very interesting. Like I would have rather just like held on to the ones that did ca- catch my attention. Like, well, give that's me the more thing too. It, it's like the juxtaposition of showing a, the Lokis learning about each other's Nexus events at the beginning versus showing us these other Lokis where we get no background story. It's like, clearly I like the first bit better. Like, have a longer conversation about how you got here, why you got here. How does that make you feel now? Like you didn't get to experience the rest of your life. I can tell you how your life would have gone type of thing. You know, instead we just get, which one of you or of us? Oh, uh, well, let's just fight it out. Like, <laughs> not, I get what, it was just too on the nose of like, oh, Loki's will never learn or never grow. That and like the title of this episode being a journey into mystery, I was like, all right, this is a kid Loki centric episode then, which clearly like like again like from a, from a comic book reader perspective, you don't just bring in kid Loki and be like, all right, here we go, he's a throwaway character for one episode. Clearly, they'll have more stuff for him down the road. But again, I, I would have much rather had th- those character development scenes uh, than waste a lot of time. And and it just comes down to, again, the same things that we shared in our spoiler-free thoughts here, but there's so many throwaway moments in this episode that it's hard to kind of forget that, you know, or maybe it will be on on the overall once all these episodes are out of the way um, and we can watch all of it in one sitting. Uh, but for now, on the week-to-week thing, it just feels like a disappointment when you don't you just, I don't know, it feels like the ball's kind of dropped a couple times. Yeah, and to be fair, though, I mean, I just did rewatch it, you know, kind of in a binge fashion of one through four and then watch this one. So it's like it I don't know. It still didn't feel right. Yeah. In fitting with everything. But we move on because Sylvie prunes herself in that scene, which we didn't talk about. But that that bit actually got me surprised. I thought she was just going to like take the doorway to there or something like that. But uh, did that one? catch you off guard it did catch me off guard a little bit um i thought for sure she was gonna try to use the the temp portal or, temp- yeah, or fight her way out of it something yeah because she's definitely more than capable of having taken down all those guards at once yeah but it yeah i feel like her going into the um i guess the what, what would you the void we call it? the void yeah uh I mean, it definitely was going to happen, right? Like, they have to reunite her with Loki. I just feel like it probably would have been more impactful if we waited until next week's episode to get that reunion and have her actually pursue or hold Ravona hostage until we get more. Like, it just it felt like the perfect B-plot, you know? Like, have her and Ravona spend this whole episode together. And if they're gonna, if Ravona's going to betray her, have her do it at the end of the episode, but have us, as the audience, kind of learn more about what's going on. Uh, just so that we're more ready for next week, you know? Yeah, I, I would have liked that, too, where it would have been like a 
on the Sylvie side, it would have been like flipping the script of uh, Mobius interviewing Loki by showing him memories. It could have been Sylvie interviewing Ravona by showing her memories by like breaking into her mind. That would have been a great flip on the storyline. And then it also would have required Loki to fight harder to learn how to enchant or to unite other Lokis and like earn trust on his own. And then, yeah, it would have been great for them to like reunite in the middle of it. That's just the thing, too. Like, I feel like that enchantment scene would have been great if it was it would have felt earned if it was our Loki doing it on his own and finally coming to terms with it, because it also feels like he's kind of passenger in his own story sometimes you know like i don't know there's there's certain elements where i feel like we should be getting more of this loki progressively getting to what he was at the end of ragnarok just so that we're in a much more vested uh place with him well yeah and it also would have been like it would have made that train conversation in episode three more impactful because it's like Loki required help from his mother to train him how to do magic. And then she believed in him that he could just do anything. And it's like, build on that, you know? Actually have him teach himself something because he can do anything and, and be anything. Right. Especially Mobius giving that speech, like, you can be whatever you want, at like right before he got pruned. I don't yeah. Know, like, I feel like they didn't give Loki enough credit to uh, to grow. Yeah, he, he definitely needed to earn that moment. It just didn't feel quite that at the end of the episode. Um, yeah. So, basically, you know, m- moving a little bit on, but she she ends up pruning herself. She ends up in the void, bumps into Mobius. As soon as what we what Kid Loki calls Eliath, this like forest that's erasing everything, chases her, uh, and we get our first glimpse at her being able to connect with this creature. Right, she gets like a quick yeah. like blink and you miss it moment where she's able to try to enchant him and notice that it's maybe possible. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of rude of her to just hop in the car because Mobius was just out like trying to make a pizza delivery. So exactly, <laughs> like a traffic stop. <laughs> I love that it was a pizza truck. <laughs> yeah, I was so hoping that it would be like on a lake and he would jet ski over to her. That 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 would have been hilarious. That would have been too on the nose, though. Although you know, like because Owen Wilson was the voice of um, Lightning McQueen, cars. cars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know how every Pixar movie has a pizza truck. I thought that that was a nice little nod to that. True. 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 The uh, ah, damn, I'm forgetting what the pizza place is called. Pizza Planet. Pizza Planet. There you go. Toy <laughs> Story. Best looking pizza in movies, next to TMNT. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I really like the exchange between Sylvie and Mobius. Like, it, it reminds me of like if you ever watch Band of Brothers, there's a quote in there like, "I'm sure there was a lot of nice guys on the other in the other army, like, and we would have been friends in other conditions, but because we weren't, like, because we were in the conditions we were in, we just weren't friends. We we were enemies. And it's like this is where they get that chance to have like an empathetic conversation of like forgiveness and seeing why like their motivations from the other person's lens there's a lot that i think owen wilson brings to the table to the mcu mm-hmm. and it's funny though because like i kind of think of him as a very comedic actor but he's got so many layers to him too like there's a nuance to him about bringing this sort of like twist of there's enough seriousness there with like the layer of comedy 
Um, I just think he tackles his role so well, too. Uh, so for me, like anything, any scene he's been in on this show has been really, really good. And sometimes I feel like maybe outshines Tom Hiddleston when they're sharing a scene together. I yeah, I totally agree. I think that he he ends up stealing a lot of the scenes that he's in, and he's not in a lot, so uh, it's pretty hard to do to to hit a hundred there. I just need him to say "kachow" at least once in the next couple episodes. I well, thought he was going to say like "wow" when he was getting pruned. <laughs> One wow, give us a kachow, you know, like something. Yeah, but we didn't get any of that, but we did get a good wholesome moment between them. And then another wholesome moment between Sylvie and Loki when they're waiting for, um, I keep forgetting this monster's name. Elias? Yeah. I don't know why I want to say Lazarus or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. He looks like a Lazarus. <laughs> um, I love their little exchange like they're both too afraid to admit how they feel but they're kind of like dancing around it yeah they're they're playing the will they won't they thing um honestly i i really like again i wish we would have slowed down and given these characters enough time to like marinate i guess for lack of a better term here but had we had gotten a lengthier conversation between um our loki the variant Lokis and um, and Mobius, I think we would have gotten a much better result at the end of this episode. Yeah, I mean, we discussed different ways that they could have done, they could have approached this episode, which I would have liked better. But choosing what they did choose, I didn't mind this interaction between the two. Um, like for the actual quality of the conversation or for the length of it. I, I enjoyed both of those for what they like for the series of events that they led themselves on to this moment. I think it fit really well. And we finally, one thing I, did, I couldn't really make too much sense on is like this plan at the end. So was Sylvie's intention then to just be, to just, uh, I guess, enchant the creature and Loki was going to leave with mobius in tow yeah that's a good question because i thought loki was going to stay regardless but then she was shocked that he said he was going to stay and it's also very confusing that they all say i'm going to stay because it's like wait are you staying in the fight are you staying in the world are you staying (laughs) like where are you staying right (laughs) so they could have used different uh more descriptive vernacular in their uh cases that they were making but yeah, I don't know what the original plan was going to be. I guess Loki was going to take down the TVA from the inside, what Mobius ended up doing or is going to do. But, yeah, I think it made more sense for Loki to stay, Loki Prime to stay with Sylvie. I think she was just more so shocked because of the nature of, of a Loki, I guess, seems to be super self-centered and selfish, right? So mm. it probably would have made more sense to go with the less suicide plan than the plan that she had arranged. Also, was the mailman reference, uh, what was that, back in season, or episode three, was that just, like, a joke of hers, or, like, was that serious? I don't think it was serious. Uh, We probably would have seen it brought up again at some point. Right? Like, I feel like the time to address it has kind of passed. Well, yeah, it's odd, because she was, like, she, I don't. She doesn't strike me as a sarcastic or humorous person, 
So that would have been weird for that to be a joke in that train moment. But then in this moment that she has with Loki, where she's like actually being honest and open, she says that she like never gets never got close to anybody and she's like always been alone and she doesn't know how to like talk to people. I so can it, relate. <laughs> yeah, I mean I was like, Oh, preach honey. <laughs> Yeah, I no, I, I, I don't think that that's actually going to go anywhere. I think it might have just been like a white lie that she told on the train to kind of dismiss him. Maybe. But regardless, so the, they execute the plan where they were going to wait for a, another pruning to appear. And Lazarus would attack that. Goliath. <laughs> oh, Eliath, yeah. I'm getting it. I should just write this down. <laughs> Did Eliath you catch would attack the sh- that, and then they would have enough distraction where they could um, enchant Eliath, but nothing comes in time, so then they have to create their own distraction. Sorry, did I catch what? <laughs> did you catch the name of the ship that just randomly dropped right as they're getting ready to see? Or did you know, it- I wanted to pause on it and then look it up, but I didn't. <laughs> it was like USS, what was it? Uh, Elridge. What is um, that? So... <laughs> The only reason why I know this is because right around where Stranger Things came out, um, I had watched this uh, this documentary uh, only because like the creators of Stranger Things were talking about the Montauk Project, which was something of like a big conspiracy theory back in like the early 2000s, especially. But basically, like there's a conspiracy that um, there was a there was a um, series of experiments that were conducted in Pennsylvania uh, with a u.s uh destroyer uh that could supposedly uh time travel like they were testing this like time travel machine um and the reason like right around the times that that wikileaks came out and spilled a whole bunch of things apparently there were like unsealed documents of kind of proving that there was something that happened there but people had told these like tales in the past of of a ship that disappeared and like nobody knows what happened to it (laughs) for like a few uh for a few seconds and then it like reappeared but like the crew of the ship mysteriously died. Again, a whole big like conspiracy theory kind of thing. But it was the, the name of the ship was the USS Elridge. So to see it here was kind of funny, uh, just because obviously it's it's a little nod in a play on on his potential historical events here. But uh, I don't know. I just thought it was it was funny because you're dealing with a show of with with magic and mysticism and all that stuff. So I don't know. I thought I thought it was funny. That sounds fact-based to me, so I'm into it. <laughs> it sounds fact-based. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't notice that or understand the reference, so good call out there, Ivan. This is what I get for delving into conspiracy theories and going on Vice late at night and watching things that probably don't pertain anything to what Well, I'm no, it, it comes in handy in moments like this. <laughs> I'm like, I, I understood that. I know <laughs> what that ship is from. Um, and then the, I guess the ultimate ending of this scene is that classic Loki decides that he can to uh, become a better person. He rebuilds Asgard for one last time to see like his home world um, as the distraction, which gives Loki and Sylvie enough time to enchant Eliath, who then opens up this like uh, gateway to beyond the void which is where Sylvie wanted to get. No, I think the name of that place is Narnia, if memory serves right. They <laughs> open up the wardrobe. Up wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. 
So they would be the witch. Now we're just waiting for the lion. Oh, that was a lion. Oh, well, there we go. There you go. That's it. We completed the trio. <laughs> uh, what do you think of that ending of classic Loki coming back and becoming a, the good guy? What, what happened to kid Loki is what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, like, he and Kroki kept going. They were like, nope, <laughs> you got this. I already gave away my sword. I don't think he's dead, right? Because like, it seems like everybody in town is dead. Because Eliath basically looks like he consumed the whole thing. Um. Yeah, no, I believe young Loki got away. All right. Hopefully he's he's gone. He's he's out there somewhere prepping for his Young Avengers premiere. But like, that's the weird thing is like, why did he stay? Why did he go with Mobius? And classic Loki was like, I'm I'm. This is my world. I'm staying here. And then he could have turned good. Like that would have been better than being like, um, thanks for staying with me, young Loki. I'm gonna go be the hero. You keep going. I don't really know. I I have a like theory of maybe like, again maybe the thor that he supposedly killed is the frog thor that we saw earlier so he didn't want to ditch his brother but that's just my theory it, it could be i could be completely completely wrong about this but yeah it's a bad theory you can <laughs> okay take that one back <laughs> <laughs> yeah take this we don't need it um watch that no. comes true <laughs> <laughs> it better <laughs> um no I, I i thought it was i thought for one I'm really glad that they gave uh, Richard E. Grant the space to kind of flesh out his version of Loki here, because out of every every variant of Loki, I feel like he was the most standout-ish, right, out of out of all these uh, for this episode. Um, so he went out like a boss, <laughs> and th- he's kind of like the a representation of what could be uh from loki and for and for sylvie too to some extent because even loki comments that like oh we might be more powerful than we think yeah um so it's kind of cool to see uh a full powered loki and what what they could do um i while i was kind of expecting the lokis to come back and and do something to help out uh our lokis you know uh i i did think it was a little random because they were both like, "Now nah, we're good. We're just going to stay here. They kind of alluded to it when he looks back. Once Eliot seems to be like revving up to to charge at the Lokis. I don't know if you caught that, but there was like a quick little cut where you see Kid Loki walking away and the classic Loki just kind of stares back at what's going on. Uh, but there was no big buildup to it. I, I do think out of the little bit that we got, though, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that little character arc moment for him. Yeah, no, I noticed that too. I I thought that was on purpose to be like this will be a bigger surprise if we just have him come back without announcing it. But I think it is weird that like they decided together, classic Loki and young Loki, they decided together to stay in the world that they know is theirs, and then he immediately goes, "Nope, I'm leaving." <laughs> <laughs> like he kind of like I don't know, young Loki kind of gets a raw deal there. Yeah, he's been out with Mobius fighting the good fight on the on the other side. He's now on his own somewhere, hopefully, or he's like permanently pruned. Yeah, who might not even be a Loki? <laughs> Do we Mobius. Know? Well, he's green, so <laughs> like that's the color of <laughs> yeah alligators. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's the end of the episode. I mean, there was a couple other Easter eggs. I don't know if you want to talk about any of them. I'll talk about all of them. The Thanos copter, 
Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, we we thought that was going to be in WandaVision when we saw that helicopter, <laughs> right? Oh my god, yeah. I so we kind of covered it before, but what was the the history of that? That's from the comics, right? It's it's a stupid little thing to include, but um there's there's a couple of iconic comic book panels at this point. Back like this is I'm talking like the 1970s, 80s. Um the first I I want to say it's the first Infinity War storyline where Thanos is trying to retrieve all of the stones. While he's on Earth, he rides around in this little yellow copter. It literally (laughs) says Thanos on the tail. And it's the most ridiculous Channel 4. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's like a single passenger copter. And so it's like the most ridiculous visual because people were memeing it back when... um, when he was first teased back in 2012, or is it 2012? When Avengers 1 came out, everybody's like, oh, Thanos is going to be so cool. But then, like, to counter it, people would share the Thanos copter meme and be like, this guy, <laughs> this guy's going to be your main villain. That's um, so funny. But it, it was just kind of, it was very funny to see it in the background. And it just popped out to me because it's bright freaking yellow and it says Thanos right on the, yeah. on the tail. So that was hilarious. That was cool to see. Uh, I mentioned this over a dozen times in the show already, but like um, Mjolnir and and Frog Thor showing up uh, was a nice little nod. There's a classic storyline of Thor, uh, sorry, Loki turning Thor into a frog, and so the whole deal is like Thor's Frog Thor is trying to get back to Mjolnir so he could turn himself back into his normal self. Um, so it's kind of tragic to see him stuck in a jar there. <laughs> Unable I, to get to the Mjolnir. I thought that was a miniature person. I didn't see it as a frog, so I guess I I gotta rewatch that or something. Yeah, he's definitely a frog. I, 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 yeah, I, I like paused on it the second time I saw it because I, I also didn't know. Like I I saw somebody like a little movement in the, the first time I saw it, and I didn't realize it was Frog Thor. Uh, but if you look closely, it it is definitely uh, Thor in frog form. Interesting. Okay. He's got his little cape and the little helmet. Yeah, that's why I was like, this looks like a person, because I was watching it from like across the room, so I guess I gotta get my face right up against my screen. <laughs> um, Eliath being named um, and getting the uh, treatment that Galactus got back in the old Fantastic Four movies, but like as a, a series of clouds. <laughs> Best movie ever. We better get Silver Surfer in the MCU, I'm just saying. Um, no, we so... Eliath is key to, I think, what's going to happen next. And again, I don't want to fall into the Thanos, uh, the Thanos pit, the uh, Mephisto pit here, but um, or similar to the Mephisto pit. But there's just so many elements of Kang the Conqueror's lore coming into play here that I'm just like, all right, are we really going to go there, or is this just going to be another WandaVision thing? Because mm. uh, in the comics, Eliath and Kang fight basically over territory in the timeline. So they're constantly at battle with one another, but Eliath is basically constantly at, at a turf war with, with Kang over who gets to own parts of the timeline. And then um, correct me if I'm wrong, I I feel like I saw this on another like YouTuber's breakdown, but Ravona like, executes the will of Kang while he's in a coma or something like that, right? There's a lot of stories with her where, and I think I, I mentioned this before, but she's constantly falling in love and betraying Kang 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's normally very closely associated with ex- executing whatever he's got up his sleeve or like helping him out with anything. Like, yeah, it's difficult to say because he is due to be in the MCU in like two years, right? Three years or something like that. So that's where I kind of want to delve a little bit deeper into because we we do know that um, we we do know that he's been cast. Uh, we do know that they've said he'll be starring in Ant-Man 3, like he'll be the main villain of that movie. But his casting was announced late last year, around the time that Loki was picking up production. So to Mm -hmm. me, it kind of seems like, and I don't know, so with anybody that's not familiar with the way that this casting process normally works, you don't announce that you've cast somebody until they've already played that role at least a couple of weeks. So it's the same way. So anytime you hear any casting announcement, it's because that person's already been long ago hired and they've been working on the, that project for a little while now. So it's not customary for them to be like, oh, we just hired this guy, but he's not going to work for another two or three years for us. Yeah. I would really like it if it is him, because the thing I loved about phases one through three was Tony Stark. No, uh, <laughs> was the buildup of Thanos. And all we got was like, couple minute snippets combined of um like after credit scenes or a little bit with ronin and it just built up such a looming thread of like this guy's running the whole show here i know that when we fight him it's going to be amazing i want another villain kind of like that where we get just like little head nods here and there so i don't need him to be the focal point of this next episode I could even envision it being just his face saying one line, kind of like when Thanos did, I'll do it myself, right? Yeah, and I think that's what we're going to get. If this is Kang the Conqueror, I don't think he's going to be full body in in the episode. I think we will get a big Thanos-like reveal uh, for him because he is a Thanos-level threat. Like, there's only a handful of Marvel villains that I can think of that'll be, like, the big... Uh, you know, worthy of having all these movies cross over for them. Yeah, I think the the hardest thing that they that they've positioned themselves in the directors here is that there's a very fine line between leaving a cliffhanger on a series to build up the next phases of Marvel versus a cliffhanger that like I need a resolution to only from Loki's perspective type of thing. Like WandaVision did really good where it's like. There's a cliffhanger where you could continue the story, but it doesn't have to. Right. Falcon and Winter Soldier, kind of the same. I mean, it wasn't really much of a cliffhanger. It's just like, where would he go next kind of a thing. This one, I feel like they're very dangerously approaching. Like, If these fan theories do come true, it's going to be years before we get any sort of like uh, closure. So I have a little bit of a theory. Um, and this is just me trying to make sense out of all the stuff that we've gotten at this stage. But in the comics, there's a war through time between uh, the Time uh, Keepers and Eliath and uh, Kang the Conqueror. Um, there's a couple things. These um, branch realities that keep getting erased from the TVA... They have Lokis that are very, very different from one another. If these are really branched realities, wouldn't they be physi- physic- uh, 
from a physiology standpoint, I don't know if I'm saying that right, the same exact looking Loki. Yeah, and I think that's why there is one that looks exactly like him because it's like there's going to be so many Lokis that there's going to be minor variations. It's like evolution, right? Like between Prime and the election Loki, there's hardly any difference. There's probably like a couple characteristic differences. Well, what I'm trying to get it out over and over and over, and then eventually you get to a crocodile, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. Well, what I'm trying to get at, though, is that. You know how in the beginning they said they they made one continuous timeline. I don't think that's true. Right. This is what we've been griping with for like weeks now is like, is it just like like two million different timelines wound so closely together that it appears as one? And it kind of like they're all just flowing as one, or is it like how are we getting all these Lokis? That's the question. So, and here's where I, where again, you know, I, I might be going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but so my whole thing here is like I don't think it's necessarily one continuous timeline. I think we're talking about a very, very like impacting several multiverses. So it's several timelines that are very much independent instead of being branch timelines that we're talking about here. Like, I don't think Kid Loki came from the past, a past uh, version of our Loki from a branch timeline. I I think he came from a whole other universe, like a whole other timeline. Anyway, so where where I'm getting at is there's there's a storyline in the comics where Kang the Conqueror has basically traveled so far throughout time, both back uh, back in time and forward in time, that he kind of accidentally erases himself from existence. So in order to make sure that he exists, he has to manipulate one of the timelines to make sure that he does exist and ensure his continued existence. Could that be what they're portraying here? And he inadvertently causes some sort of like a multiverse uh um, is this a multiverse multiverse war instead of a timeline war from what we see in the comics and is that maybe what we're leading into like in, like this series will finish leading up to a very big issue with multiverses crashing into one another and so then we got the whole spider-man no way home doctor strange that kind of thing it all and, comes back to spidey yeah <laughs> and, and um, then so then question we get so Prediction wise, narrow it down because I like that idea of like, you know, fan fictioning it. But how does this series end next week? I think something is going to trigger here. here so if, if it is Kang, I think we'll get a revelation that there's somebody out there messing up the the flow of time. Uh, but also either our characters or our main characters or the villain themselves unravels the timelines. And causes this big multiverse, um, multiverse-ending event. Uh, from that, we're going to see the repercussions in the next couple of movies. I, th- I think that's where we're heading with this. I, I, I just don't know exactly how they're going to do that. That's why we pay you, Ivan. You're supposed to know. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I, I think that's good enough as a prediction. I'm not going to hold your feet over the flames on this one, but... The, yeah, there's so many other ways that they can go about it, and that's the dangerous part is what we've talked about with, like, Last Jedi or anything like that, right? If you make too many fan theories, if they don't choose it, it hurts more when you're, like, more committed to it. 
Uh, the only thing I would like maybe predict is that I mean I I do hitch my trailer onto the Kang theory in some sort of reveal whether it's a big portion of the episode or if it's just the one second clip of him <laughs> turning to the camera type of thing. The only prediction I would make outside of that is I don't think Sylvie or Loki is going to survive. I think one of them is going to die in the finale. Yeah, I, I think that's very much possible. And then the cards. Um, the one thing, though, that I'll say, if this show gets a season two, could we see a continuation of this storyline into that point? Yeah, I feel like fans are not going to be cool with if it's on a cliffhanger where a season two would have to answer it. I think people just want to set themselves up for Doctor Strange and for um, Spider-Man. I don't think people want to have to wait until a second season of this is filmed and put out. Well, I don't think we're going to wait necessarily. What I feel like it's going to be is going to be more so of like, what if we get the unraveling of or the reveal of Kang in this series, but his actions cause what happens in the movies. And then we circle back to like the the big threat of Kang in season two of Loki, only to then have it fleshed out even further when he finally makes his cinematic debut in Ant-Man 3, which I'm still kind of puzzled as to why Ant-Man 3 <laughs> is being used to, to introduce such a big character. Yeah, certainly anything's possible. I would not rule anything out. I just feel like if you're going to be doing that, where Kang is introducing the problem and then the movies are introducing the solution, why even come back for a season two of Loki, right? Just to see how he deals with the problem. I mean, I do enjoy all the the bits of episodes where we get to see what happened to other people during the blip, so I probably would enjoy seeing how Loki manages during the Kang issues, but I think we're getting way too far ahead of ourselves. We don't even know if it is Kang. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're right. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I still, I feel like there's only two possibilities for the villain. It's either Kang or, surprise, it's another variant Loki. Mephisto. Oh. <laughs> or yeah, it's Mephisto yeah. the whole variant time. Loki. But I do feel like Sylvie's going to have a much bigger part to play, just because I'm so hung up on the reason why she was taken away. Uh, she seems to be the only female Loki, but that doesn't make sense for that to be her Nexus event, because they would have gotten her at a much younger age. I think you may be right on, like, Loki dying, Sylvie survives, and then Kid Loki takes primary Loki's place. Yeah, I can see, timeline. like, you know, they give it, they gave Tony Stark a way out, they gave um, kept Steve Rogers a way out. I wouldn't be surprised if they gave Loki a way out. Like, their original band is, you know, no more, and now, now we pass on the torch. I feel like people are really attached to Sylvie and would be happy to see her carry it on yeah it, it's it's funny though because i feel like i really like tom hiddleston as loki but i also feel like at some point you know you can't have three lokis in the main mcu timeline that's way too much no and i feel like you, there's never a great time to get rid of the original people uh, we didn't talk about it in the news but like there were rumors that uh, hugh jackman might come back as logan in the mcu if they ever introduce uh, the X-Men, 
because he posted a picture with like Kevin Feige and he reposted a picture of Wolverine's claws or something like that. And people have really taken that out of proportion. But I, I don't know. I feel like he got out on such a high note to like Robert Downey Jr. got out on such a high note. And so did Chris Evans. Like, I, I think if you are able to actually accomplish that, you should just keep it that way. Yeah, although I do. Did we touch on Robert Downey Jr. coming back to the MCU? Um, I feel like we might have at some point. I don't remember it specifically, He's, but he supposedly is coming back. Well, then never mind. I want him back. <laughs> I was lying. I was trying to <laughs> cope. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for anybody outside of the MCU, though, like like with Hugh Jackman, I would love to see him in the MCU. But I also know that you're right. Like he went off on a high note, and I just don't know. Like I'd love to see him as a one-off, maybe here and there at some point. But no, like it just reduces the impact of what they accomplished. I feel like, and but also using them as like a to sell the the fight card, you know. Well, that's that. So that's where I'm getting at here. Like, I feel like if you're if you're gonna use him, like he's nothing more than a glorified cameo. I'm okay with it so long as the story isn't meant to focus on Wolverine. Well, the cameos are fine because like Stan Lee was in all of his movies, and it was always such a fun moment to see. Like, oh, there he is, you know. Yeah, like, like, look, I could see Hugh Jackman playing a role in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness because you're talking about alternate Wolverine, alternate realities, right? So, yeah, I could see him maybe in like a quick 30 second thing. I would hate to bring Hugh Jackman back into the MCU as a full time Wolverine only because I feel like that role in that time was so iconic that it deserves a, a bookend at that point. Yeah, you know, like, I agree with you there. That was exactly said how I was thinking about it. And Robert Downey Jr., honestly, I can't picture anybody else as Iron Man. So if they want to bring him back at some point for something like that, I'm down for it as long as it's tasteful, makes sense, and isn't just like, oh, we have Tony back and forget about his death. It didn't mean anything kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I want the Fortnite version of Tony. <laughs> well, the, the rumor is that he's coming back for that Ironheart um, Disney Plus series, which makes sense because in the comics, there's an AI of Tony that guides a new Iron Man into how to use how to create and use the suits after the government basically gets a hold of them. So interesting. I like I, I would I would dig that because then you do bring Robert Downey Jr. back, but he's not alive again. He's just a robot synthetic version of himself. Hmm. Not even that, he's just a hologram a in the comics. AI. There you go. Like like Friday and Jarvis. Or like the timekeepers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, like so we got predictions done. I will uh, officially throw in the towel on the infinity color themes, unless you're willing to uh, spot me on the couple red highlights in this one, the prison cell for B-15 and the mouth and eyes of Eliath. It could be, but there wasn't that much of like a big color palette push. I, I feel like I was so hyped on the infinity, infinity stone thing for the movies, too. That I'm just kind of like, damn, this could have been a great way to kind of tie that in. But I guess they're not going that route. Uh, yeah, no, it might not be. And then we had talk- we had a conversation offline uh, where you brought this up to me. I don't know if you saw this somewhere else or if you came up with this organically. But uh, I really like the, uh, the thing you called out where the 
there was like symbols behind the timekeepers in their chamber. And I noticed them. I was like, oh, those look odd. Those are out of place because the whole room is blue and they're bright neon red. Uh, and you called those out as possibly being runes, like in Oh, yeah. That I... would be like able to shut down any magic or anything like that. So that would be a way to be like, time stones are useless. Loki's magic can't be done inside the TVA. Uh, maybe there's some sort of witch or wizard behind the TVA. Yeah, I, I caught that. Um, what was it? Whenever the last time I saw the last episode was, but I I did see that other people were talking about it on the web after I like looked it up because I was looking for like a screenshot of the timekeepers uh, chambers. Yeah, and I looked it up. I, th- I think I put like the TVA runes is what I um, googled, mm. and somebody had done a side by side on it, and I was like, yeah, exactly. I was like. I was thinking, I was like, maybe there is a magic user behind this. Uh, and it it could be. It could be, right? Because you, they still have yet to explain why magic isn't able right. to be used in this realm. So, Right, which um, I was pretty confused on. And I think I mean, some of my other friends, too, were like, it's kind of upsetting to see times to, uh, or Infinity Stones be marked as useless when we spent 20 movies hyping them up and i totally agree with that argument and this would be a really cool way to be like it's not that they're useless it's that someone has cast like a force field around where they're being kept and it it, it does serve to kind of reinforce the argument of this is kang the conqueror because in the comics that's his technology is his big thing like he goes into the year 3000 and on to get technology that obviously is like hundreds of years away from modern time in order to suppress like powers and abilities in modern times, which which is what makes him kind of formidable. Mm. So it it could be that it could be runes. Like I, I just I don't know. I thought it was an uh, it was an odd thing to kind of have in the background, especially after we just freshly got off of watching WandaVision, where runes were a big thing at the end. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and I just wanted to make sure that was called out because that was a really good spot. Well, I think unless you have any last. Uh, comments on this episode or predictions for the next one we can uh, wrap it up there yeah no i think i think i'm all good just a quick reminder to everybody this episode is brought to you by harry's harry who? harry the delivery guy they brought my uh oh, uber, uber eats yeah uber eats sort of this morning he oh, he gave me my money back because he dropped one of my drinks so thank you harry shout out to harry's uber delivery <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, if you think we missed anything in this episode or if you have uh, burning ideas that you want to share for the finale, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at BTFourthWall for being 4TH. Otherwise, thanks thanks for listening. listening.